Production made possible in part by Med Plus Advantage. You're listening to Radio Rounds, a talk show created and hosted by medical students and physicians in training, where today's stories are told by tomorrow's doctors. I'm your host, Avash Kalra. On today's show, we celebrate the five-year anniversary of the very first Radio Rounds episode, and we do so by returning to our roots in more ways than one. Our guest today is Dr. Therese Zink, who was named a rural health hero by the Minnesota Rural Health Association in 2011. She's now the chair of the Department of Family Medicine at the Wright State University Boonshaft School of Medicine. And today she'll tell us about the essence of delivering health care in a rural setting of being a country doctor. So I think the one thing is that there's a good chance that you know that patient and that you'll see them you know, in the grocery store, they may go to church with you, sure. and they may even be in your book club. So you may have a social relationship with them that you may not in the city. More from Dr. Zink and her compelling stories right now on Radio Rounds. Welcome to Radio Rounds, everyone. I'm your host, Avash Kalra, and I'm excited to be back hosting the show for the first time in quite a few months. We hope you're all enjoying Season 10 of our show. We certainly had a memorable episode last week with Imran Ali's unforgettable interview with a professional opera singer who received a double lung transplant and continues to perform all over the world. Really incredible stuff. Now, as we mentioned at the top of the show... Today's episode is airing almost exactly five years after we aired our very first episode, so now seems like a as good an opportunity as any to thank all of you for listening to us, and more importantly, to the amazing stories that our guests have shared with us over the last five years. Now, our first episode, which aired way back on April 12, 2009, was titled The Future of Medicine, and we talked specifically on that episode about the future of primary care. Now, five years later, we're talking about, in many ways, how the past in primary care continues to evolve in the present and future, specifically in rural America. Our guest today is the current chair of the Department of Family Medicine at the Wright State University Boonshaft School of Medicine. In today's interview, Shami Das and I spoke to Dr. Zink prior to her appointment at Wright State. In fact, prior to returning to Dayton, Ohio, she was a professor in the Department of Family and Community Medicine and the Rural Physician Associate Program at the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis. Dr. Zink is also the author of The Country Doctor Revisited, which is a collection of essays, poems, and short stories written by rural health care professionals, and that book is a focus of our conversation today. Now, Dr. Zink lived on a farm in her younger years, and although she returned to her roots later in her career to practice family medicine in a rural setting, she starts our conversation by telling us that the beginnings of her medical career truly sprouted, so to speak, from her days on the farm. As I look back on what really influenced me being a doctor, I think it were those the years on the farm of delivering lambs and butchering lambs, and I realized that my backyard was kind of a big biology lab mm-hmm. and that I was I was really kind of in love with the um, kind of the life process, birth, death, and um, all the things that occurred in between. And I know that, uh, Dr. Sink, you've done a lot of writing and your interest in writing really came out of a, a tragic sort of story uh, from earlier in your career. Can you share that a little bit with us? Yeah, so I was an English major, so I was always interested in writing, and I, I've kept a journal since a 
creative writing class in high school. And when I, um, I started uh, writing seriously after I uh, took some time off to do a uh, international aid mission with Doctors Without Borders and was planning on going for a year in a fairly high-risk uh, place, Chechnya, which is the former uh, Soviet Union, and there was a kind of a low-level war going on at the time. And um, my boss was kidnapped after the first month. Wow. He was returned a month later unharmed, and then the mission was disbanded. And so I had signed up for a year, and here I was two and a half months into the experience, and it was over. And so I think as I look back, kind of trying to make sense of that experience is what really got me writing more than just a journal style. And so that effort to try to tell that story led me to taking uh, writing classes. At the time, I was in Cincinnati, Ohio. So there's Women uh, Writing for a Change, which is a kind of wonderful nonprofit writing school there. I worked with them. And then when I uh, returned to Minnesota, there is a place here called The Loft, and I took classes there. And so I really started working on my writing craft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dr. Zink, it's interesting that uh, this experience led to, to writing and, and the experience happened because of global health work that you've done. And I, it just reminded me that a lot of times when we talk about global health or hear about global health programs, they say that sometimes you don't have to leave the United States to do global health because a lot of the stuff that you do in rural America is very, it can be similar thematically at least. Uh, would you agree with that statement? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, our world is very global, and I think that's true on two accounts. First of all, uh, the U.S. Is, is changing, and, you know, Minnesota is a kind of upper Midwest state that was settled by German Scandinavian farmers, um, you know, years ago, but the face of Minnesota has really changed in the time that I've been here. And so even some of the small towns are now uh, becoming very diverse, uh, with the, the populations here are the Hmong, which came about 30 years ago uh, from Laos after the Vietnam War, and then there's a large Somali community. In fact, we've got the uh, second largest Somali community in the in the U.S., um, and then a large Spanish-speaking population. So a lot of the rural towns are really grappling um, with global citizens. And I think the other issue about rural is that you often have more autonomy in rural areas. Your cardiologist is not in the often not in the same building or hospital as you. And mm-hmm. so you learn to practice with a certain autonomy that you often need to in, in, on international um, mission trips. Uh, and so I think I always tell students if they want to do global work, think about training world because you really learn a kind of a full spectrum of skills. Mm-hmm. And when you say rural medicine, and, and just for our listeners who aren't in the medical field, what, what does that entail exactly? So I, I think rural is a changing uh, landscape today in the U.S. So you get your rural remote areas, which are really, you know, very far from a larger uh, medical center, uh, you know, like Alaska and out west. In Minnesota, you know, what we consider rural is often even in, just an hour from the Twin Cities. The bottom line is if you live rural, you probably know that you are. Um, and, you know, when we look at the need for uh, health care providers in rural areas, you know, we, we know that 20% of, the, of people live rural, but currently only 3 to 5% of medical students choose to practice rural. So there's a big need in rural areas for uh, physicians, particularly primary care, psychiatry, 
mm-hmm. and uh, in some communities, general surgeons. For the students who are listening, perhaps, when you're practicing in a rural setting, say, as opposed to a city setting, um, what is really different as far as when you're actually in the room with the patient? Because, you know, that room could be anywhere. Is it something to do with the patient population, the resources, maybe the values of that community? Uh, how do you ap- approach that uh, And as far as the differences? So I think the one thing um, is that there's a good chance that you know that patient and that you'll see them, you know, in the grocery ch- store. They may go to church with you. Sure. And they may even be in your book club. So you may have a social relationship with them that you may not in the city. Mm-hmm. I think in, the, in um, metropolitan and even suburban areas, it's more likely that you, you don't have a personal uh, relationship with your patient uh, for the most part. Um, and so we talk about kind of dual relationships being a reality in rural medicine. And so we need to help students who are going to practice rural learn how to negotiate that. So I think that in rural areas, you have to be more conscious about your boundaries. And in order to better understand that, a couple of years ago, we did some interviews with rural physicians in order to be able to work better with some of the students that we teach who are uh, practicing rural. And we learned that physicians deal with it in a variety of ways. Some people really want to keep their privacy, and so they don't practice in their community. They live in one community and, you know, drive to practice in another, so they don't see people as often. Others, to you know, to know the people in the community is just a... Um, is something that they absolutely love. And they, maybe your more extroverted personalities, they're very involved in the community, probably are the physicians for the team, maybe involved in some of the local business groups, and are, you know, one of the lifeblood and leaders of the community. So I think with, with both of those individuals, there's choices kind of depending on, you know, what your personality is and, and how you do things. One of the things that we found is that people much more consciously have to negotiate boundaries. So a patient walks up in the grocery store and says, you know, yada, 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 what about my test? And the physician may say, well, why don't you call me in the clinic tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Um, or I have a patient who is a friend of mine who comes in for a pap smear. We have a conversation about uh, that, you know, if there's things that you know, you're not comfortable with, let me know. And so it's a more conscious ne- negotiation of the of the boundaries of the relationship. Now, Dr. Zink, uh, I think that's a good segue to talk a little bit about your book that you edited named The Country Doctor Revisited, a 21st Century Reader. I know that the book contains many stories and essays and poems describing the experience of rural health professionals and uh, their experiences with patients. Tell us a little bit about how that book came to be. So I was collecting some of my own stories and then the stories of students that I teach who do a rural rotation. Mm-hmm. And a colleague of mine gave me the idea of putting together a book. He said, if you look and see what's out there, all of the country doctor stories are the old-fashioned kind, the one that make you think of Marcus Welby or Norman Rockwell's physician who's uh, visiting the patients with his black bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's usually a he. And uh, so as I looked, I found that he was true. That he was that that what he described was true, and he also led me to Kent State University Press, which has done an anthology series over the years. So I approached them with the idea, and they uh, said, "Go for it." And so then I began to try to collect the stories and poems to talk about modern uh, rural 
healthcare. And so I quickly uh, realized that it was more than physicians and that there was quite a diverse story that I wanted to tell and that I needed to reach beyond the usual medical professional groups in order to get some good storytellers and poets. So it was quite a journey to find the contributors uh, for the collection. And tell us a little bit about some of those contributors and maybe pr- your favorite or memorable stories uh, from that anthology of, of uh, stories in that book. Yeah, so one of the things that's been fun is as I've been publicizing the book, I've gone to different uh, parts of the country. It's a small press, so they don't have a book tour mm-hmm. uh, budget, but I've had a meeting or a family occasion that have taken me to different uh, parts of the country. And I very purposely tried to find uh, writers from across the U.S. Uh, and so I've invited that local contributor to do readings with me. And so when I was at my sister's wedding in North Carolina, I met the one uh, contributor who writes under a pseudonym because his town is so small. And he happens to be a bluegrass player as well. So the readings that we <laughs> went to, uh, he had his straw hat and his mandolin with him. Another was a really wonderful uh, poet, uh, psychiatrist in uh, Massachusetts. And uh, I went and did uh, readings in that area because I had a meeting, and we did a a talk to his uh, medical society. And so it was fun to meet people that I had had a email relationship with and and learn a little bit about them and about about their lives. One of the sadder stories was uh, a contributor from Washington, and after the the books uh, were mailed out, I got an email from his sister to tell me that he had died suddenly. He was actually quite a young man and uh, had written a wonderful story called Welcome to Elma, which welcomed uh, medical students to his clinic for the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, his sister said that the family was really happy to have the book because it was a wonderful um, memory of him. It's been great that you've been able to put this together and provide so many different perspectives on the country doctor uh, revisited. I, I know that medical students have written it in as well. What, who, who, tell, tell me a little bit about what the different perspectives are that are uh, included in the book. So we tried to tell kind of the modern version of kind of who we are, where we practice, uh, the patients that we serve, and then the resources and challenges of of modern uh, practice. And so some of that we talked a little bit about earlier is that fact of losing autonomy and having medicine become a big business and how that's changed Mm -hmm. practice. Uh, Other pieces talk about the technology that's part of rural practice today, even um, some uh, rural physicians who've been pretty creative about trying to uh, bring that to their practices and the advantages of that uh, to their practices. So, for example, um, Dick Gordon did a story about the EICU, which occurs in Iowa. I heard that when I was driving home one night, and I thought, oh, this is a perfect country uh, doctor uh, story. And so I got the rights to be able to, to retell that story. And it's basically the story of a gentleman who was able to stay in his ICU in his small town because his hospital was linked by uh, telemedicine uh, cables and computers to an intensive care in a larger city. And so it had really improved the intensive uh, care in the small hospitals because they could be linked to the 
larger center, but it also allowed people to stay in their home and be able to uh, have their kids drop in and see them over the noon hour. It seems like so many of these stories are really teaching the reader, a lot of whom I'm sure are medical professionals, about the experience of dealing with patients and sort of empathizing with their their stories. And really, I know that we talk about this a lot on Radio Rounds and with other guests that the stories really make up medicine. We spend our whole day talking about uh, stories, whether we're presenting them to our attendings or just uh, exploring the stories of patients. So it seems almost obvious that physicians should be drawn to humanistic efforts like this and to, to stories of medicine, but it's, it hasn't really been focused on historically. And um, I mean, what are your thoughts generally on, on that topic? Yeah, so I think that particularly as a primary care physician, uh, listening to the patient's story is really important, and sometimes it's all I have to offer. Uh, you know, particularly if someone is, you know, has a very traumatic situation, you know, we can sew wounds and we can, you know, cast bones, but the pain that comes from, you know, having been in an accident or, uh, you know, having uh, witnessed something horrible or the pain that comes from, you know, living with chronic pain, some of that I can't really, you know, my medicines cannot completely take care of that. And so I think that ability to listen and hold someone's story is, is an important part of of what I have to do. That was Dr. Therese Zink, physician, author, and certainly a, a gifted educator and speaker. You know, the thing I, I love most about our program is that we get to explore so many different perspectives in medicine, and Dr. Zink certainly offers a fresh take on uh, the practice of medicine. And whether we practice in a rural or an urban environment or something in between, I think many of her messages can resonate with anyone in the healthcare profession. Uh, it certainly did for me. For instance, that sometimes listening to a patient's story is, as she says, all you uh, really have to offer in some situations. You can learn more about Therese Zink and her book, The Country Doctor Revisited, at theresezink.com. That's T-H-E-R-E-S-E. Zinc.com. Since we recorded our interview, Dr. Zink has been busy with many other writing projects, including a new collection of her own stories called Confessions of a Sin Eater, A Doctor's Reflections, where she talks about caring for patients in a variety of settings, from Latin America to Native American reservations to rural Minnesota. You can learn more about that book and others on her website, again, theresezink.com. Hopefully we'll have her back on Radio Rounds again in the near future. Now, before we wrap up the episode today, I do want to congratulate all the fourth-year medical students around the country who just experienced the excitement of Match Day, matching into residency programs across the country. It's it's one of the most exciting days uh, in a medical student's career, if not the most exciting. Among those who matched are four of our core staff members here at Radio Rounds. It's certainly an exciting time, so congratulations to them and, and again to all the graduating medical students as well. Of course, for all the medical students out there who may be interested in contributing in any way to Radio Rounds, email us at contact at radiorounds.org. As many of you know, that the first episode of Radio Rounds that aired five years ago this week was when I was a first-year medical student, as was my longtime co-host, Lakshman Swami, and our executive producer at the time, Shami Das. We're all resident physicians now, and but certainly still welcome uh, medical student contributions from around the country for those of you who are interested. And we also want to mention again that there's still time left, uh, though barely, to apply for the MedPlus Advantage Global Health Challenge, where the winner of an essay and video contest will have an opportunity to work alongside our good friends at Timmy Global Health in Ecuador, Guatemala, or the Dominican Republic 
to provide high-quality health services to underserved populations. Complete details of the contest can be found at www.medplusadvantagehc.com. Pre-registration ends at 11.59 p.m. Central Time on April 6, 2014. Again, it's medplusadvantagehc.com. Of course, even if you don't have a chance to enter, definitely check out the amazing work uh, that Timmy Global Health does around the world. Please join us next week for our next episode of Radio Rounds. In the meantime, remember that you can download podcasts of all of our past episodes. Just search the iTunes store for Radio Rounds or visit our website. You can also contact our team via email, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. All of that information at radiorounds.org. Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage, providing group disability and life insurance to students and residents through participating educational institutions. Visit us at medplusadvantage.com. AMA Insurance is pleased to introduce an individual disability insurance plan called Essentials for MedPlus Advantage Participants. Through this plan, eligible graduating medical students have a special one-time opportunity to apply for high-quality individual disability insurance with no intrusive or time-consuming medical exams and only a few basic questions and with discounted premiums. Apply now as the enrollment period ends soon. Of course, please remember that the views and opinions expressed on Radio Rounds are not representative of the views and opinions of the partners of Radio Rounds. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. For our entire staff here at Radio Rounds, I'm Avash Kalra, and one day, I'll be your doctor. <laughs>